Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is a Lip Media Podcast. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respect to elders past and present and the Aboriginal elders of other communities who may be listening today. Welcome to The Gays Revolting, a definitive weekly news source for contemporary gays. We put the G in LGBTQIA+, and we're here to make it clear. I know you love me, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. You, like, integrated that very well. Thank you. And we're here to help you be the best G you can be. <laughs> Show us some love by following us on Instagram or Twitter, or join our Facebook group at The Gays Are Revolting. And you can support our show and listen to our bonus after shows by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash gaysrevoltingpod. Hey everybody! Hey, Mikey's off. He's um traveling Europe again, or yeah, something. Yeah, he just left for casual <laughs> six months. <laughs> you know, here for a good time, not a long time. Yeah. No, he's having a week off, so yeah. it's just myself, Kyle, and Tom this week. That's right. But uh, last night we're recording this from the future, oh. so last night was our live show in Melbourne. In the future, in, in the past. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully yes. it went really well, and we're yeah. all friends, and we didn't have a big fight on stage last night. And we're still to listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, and, and hopefully it was really lovely to meet you all, Yay. and uh, everything went well. <laughs> yes, and I remember you. Yeah, but that means Midsummer's coming to an end Thank tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just had the Midsummer extravaganza. I have had every fucking thing on. Yes, it has been yes, crazy, but yeah, we had the Midsummer extravaganza last weekend. Uh-huh. An amazing it. thing was after the show, y'all had a DJ playing. Yeah. downstairs, yeah. and Pangina Heels came out. With uh, Johnny B. Good's dance crew, yeah. they're doing like dance classes yeah. as part of Midsummer, and they just started whacking the the, the house down boots, yeah. you know, and people cleared oh. the the floor. It's so cool. So yeah, basically wow. we turned the, the foil, stalls foyer of Hamer Hall, which is like surrounded by like uh, Arthur Boyd paintings and that sort of stuff, mm. turn it into a gay bar. And yeah, Pangina and Incredible. her crew came out and just did like amazing dance in the middle of the That's of the so dance cool. floor. And it's just like the whole community is there, like yeah. everyone's there. Just dancing and having a fun time and, oh. and yeah it was really lovely that was right. a fun night mm. and if y'all want to support us but don't want to come to the live shows you can become a patron of ours at patreon.com slash gays revolting pod yeah. uh, because you'll get access to our after shows today we're talking mm. dirty again it's Ooh, salt and, sexy talk salt and pepper time let's talk about sex baby baby, baby. <laughs> um uh, and we'll be talking a little bit about the influence of alcohol and mm-hmm. um, sexual escapades. Drunken sure. sex. Drunken sex. Drunken We've sex. We've never been there, babe. none of us. <laughs> we'll have to hypothesize. Yeah, we'll just, yeah. Like, I mean, I'm sure it would happen. <laughs> but that'll be in our untucked 
episode. We do have a very exciting episode coming up, and we are interviewing a gay pastor. That's right, Alex Pitaway, uh, who is a gay pastor from the MCC. Uh, Anytime someone says MCC, I want to say it won't let me be, <laughs> let me be on MTV. I think MCU, <laughs> MCU. Yeah. Iron Marvel, Man. Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. yeah. I'm about the MCU. It'll be interesting. Yeah, no, to, it's very interesting stuff. To um, talk to some, a man of faith. Mm-hmm. Yes. A yeah. member of our community. Visiting from Brisbane as well. So very nice to have him in the studio for a little bit of a chat. Yeah. Mm, especially usually us heathens. Heathens. Sinning it up in here. <laughs> Get some holy talk. Oh, uh, well, bit. Be, sometimes it's holy talk. It'll be nice. <laughs> okay. So today we're joined by Alex Pitaway, uh, who is a gay pastor from Brisbane. Alex, welcome. Thanks Thank so much you. for coming well, here. Lovely to be Thank here. You. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Uh, first question I want to ask you is, now you are a reverend. What, what do we call you? Is it like the queen reverend first or <laughs> after? Oh, look, just pastor is fine. Pastor or just fine. just Alex. You know, titles are such a wank, so mm. I'm, <laughs> right, okay. I'm happy just to be called Alex. Can Alex, we, cool. fantastic. Can we say you're lit for the Lord? Um, <laughs> sure, I've never heard that before. Um, you know what? Just uh, you can have that it. one. You can have that one. Bless you. Oh. <laughs> um, now, we heard that you discovered the podcast through your gay Christian Bible study. I think that has to be the first time anyone's heard about the gays revolting through a, a Christian Bible study. That you know of. That um, we know of. In a positive way. In a positive yeah, way, at least. Yeah, so um, it was actually, uh, it was the first month that I moved to Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, someone who's a really great um, sort of leader in our church, he um, was running a group, uh, a Bible study for uh, gay Christians, and he affectionately called it Homo Group. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and he invited me along one night because um, a lot of people in my church go there. And so we uh, were looking at a piece of scripture which talks about being countercultural. As, as a reference point, it was this podcast mm-hmm. um, and sort of people were discussing the podcast <laughs> oh my gosh. In, in the vein of being sort of uh, countercultural and their sort of uh, version of countercultural. Well, are we being countercultural by being queer, by being gay, by mm-hmm. being LGBTI and uh, being Christian, being spiritual um, at the same time? Um, and so, yeah, it was it was mm. through here that, uh, that I first heard it. Uh, gosh, that would have been way back in 2018, I think, mm, uh, wow. or July, August. Mm-hmm. How long have we been doing that show? It's about that yeah. long, yeah. It's like, well, that's like flown by. We've shared a lot of biblical moments on this show, yeah. so it, it's not a surprise to me that they might be studying your trips to Wet on Wellington. Oh my gosh, oh yeah. dear. Parting the seas. Oh no. um, so, Alex, you're the pastor of a church made up mostly of LGBTI um, people who've been rejected from mainstream churches. Yeah, so... Um, MCC has been around in Brisbane for 45 years. Wow. Um, and, you know, we've been called uh, the church um, for gay people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been called, especially during the 80s and 90s, the, the church that has AIDS. Mm-hmm. Um, we have an AIDS quilt both in our Sydney congregation and our Brisbane congregation. And for a while, we were the only people who would do funerals for people who died of AIDS mm-hmm. in the 1980s wow. and 90s. Um, and we lost about one-third of all of our pastors globally to HIV-AIDS. Yeah, so we're very much a church uh, run by the people. It's called, um, if you're a church history nerd like me, then uh, it's it's a congregational model of Mm -hmm. church, which means that 
the church decides who the pastor is, the church decides uh, what direction, even what beliefs the church has. Um, mm. It's very much mm. a grassroots organization, and it's not so much sort of top-heavy pastor decides everything um, mm-hmm. organization. It's, it's much more much more grassroots than that. Overall, unfortunately, in Australia, the landscape spiritually is very, uh, very tough for gay people. I think Melbourne is probably the most uh, gay-affirming city in terms of Mm church-wise. There are just many, many more uh, gay-affirming congregations. When I say affirming, it means... You don't just have to sit at the back and we'll take your money, but don't, uh, yeah. don't you dare think that you can get married or anything else. It's people, no, we will do your marriage. We will um, support your relationships. Mm-hmm. We, we're not trying to secretly turn you straight. Mm-hmm. We don't think you're going to hell and we fully welcome you. That's refreshing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's many of those um, in Melbourne, including MCC Melbourne, including uh, several Anglican churches, several Uniting churches. In Sydney, there's probably about five or six. Um, in Brisbane, there's just three wow. um, out of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of churches. And it's it's sad because, you know, in America, despite America being a much more conservative place, in Indianapolis, the city that I studied in, to be a pastor, there are something like 35 different oh, wow. oh gay-affirming mm. churches. Mm. And they have five major denominations that fully embrace gay people, gay priests, gay mm-hmm. bishops, Gay marriage, you know, the the full enchilada. Yeah. It's all gay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fact, they even have, uh, they, they all have uh, gay uh, supportive uh, groups that have yearly conferences um, mm-hmm. in the States. So, unfortunately, in Australia, there's just not a lot going. If you're a gay person and you walk into a church, you're rolling the dice. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, just to step back a little bit, it's called the MCC, and that's the Metropolitan Christian Church. Is that correct? Metropolitan Community, Community Church. Community Church. But, it, but it, you do follow the, teach, the Christian teachings. But the the main difference being that you, as a community, decide what the core beliefs are of, of the church. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, basically, we are made up of spiritual refugees, mm-hmm. which means that usually the people who come to our church are people who have been rejected from mainstream mm-hmm. churches. Mm-hmm. Every kind of church you can think of. Uh, we've got Baptists, we've got Catholics, we've got Mormons, Jehovah's Witness, mm-hmm. Every different denomination out there. Usually those denominations, those different churches would be at each other's throats. Mm-hmm. But in MCC, they can all come together and be united. Yeah. So we have a really different model of church than a lot of other churches in that you are free to pursue your faith and mm-hmm. your spiritual journey. And uh, no one is mm-hmm. going to tell you what you have to believe or what you uh, don't have to believe. And that's what was so freeing and so liberating yeah, yeah. for me, having grown up in an environment, a church environment where it was, no, it's this way or you're going to hell. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so being an MCC and being th- free to pursue whatever faith that I wanted to was really freeing. Mm. Um, and um, there's only two things you have to do for it to be an MCC, Metropolitan Community Church church service. You have to have uh, a reading from the Bible and you have to have communion that's open to everyone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which for a lot of people from other different beliefs, that's like, what do you mean communion's open to everyone? It's only supposed to be this. And it's like, no, everyone. This is an all Is that when you eat the... Sorry, I'm a heathen. Is that when you eat, <laughs> eat the... The body eat, of Christ? My best and friend's a heathen. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, um, it, it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, mm-hmm. but it's mainly a meal of remembrance. You remember uh, okay. Jesus dying on the cross, mm-hmm. and you remember uh, Jesus' blood, hence the, the, in our case, non-alcoholic grape juice. The one, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And Jesus' body, in our case, gluten-free bread. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but generally the most... 
recognized version is yeah when you have the bread and the wine because yeah. my sister was allowed to do that but i wasn't allowed to do that right. mm. Cause I was a big homo. Yes, right. Yeah, a yeah. child. <laughs> the biggest. But I never knew like what that actually was. Yeah. yeah. So that. So, so Catholics believe in a thing called transubstantiation, which means that as you word. as you eat the wafer and yeah. the wine, oh, you it get... literally becomes the body and blood oh. of Jesus as mm. it goes down That's your alarming. throat. Um, and so, but for us, we say, look, this is the body and blood of Jesus, however way you want to mm, interpret that. that. Yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. Um, is it also, do you have like a lot of, um, trans and non-binary people in the church as well? Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, uh, we probably have the highest number of trans pastors, uh, of any denomination yeah. in the world. Our congregation, I'd say about five to 10% of the mm. people who come are trans mm. or gender non-conforming. We have this version of the Bible um, out there called the inclusive uh, translation of the Bible. Instead of saying God created the first man, mm. it's God created the earth creature. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't give a gender uh, yeah, brilliant. to Adam. That's great. Yeah. It, uh, until Adam and Eve uh, were created, then you start to see uh, gendered language. Um, but it says uh, something very powerful. It says that uh, you know people who don't fit in that uh, male, female binary, mm. they also have a place. Mm. Mm. Um, and I think for a lot of trans people, even a lot of LGBTI people, they feel like the Bible leaves them out. Mm. The church leaves them out. And what we're trying to do at MCC is say, no, you are included. You are welcome. Because it can be a very destructive thing, mm. uh, even if you don't believe, to think that you're, there's a God out there that hates you for being mm-hmm. who you are. Um, we have uh, one person, she's amazing, she's called Katie, um, and she um, is a trans woman who transitioned this year. And uh, she said the first place that she felt she could transition and be herself was at our church. Amazing. Because oh. I imagine for a lot of a lot of trans people that once they do uh, affirm their gender, that traditional religious institutions would not be the most welcoming of places for them to go. And so it must be so hard to not only be cut mm. off from your social circles in, and quite often from your colleagues mm. and that sort of thing, to, but to also be cut off from your religious community must be a really gut-wrenching thing for religious people that are going through that, that journey of transition. A- absolutely. And not only that, they're oftentimes cut off from their kids mm. as well. Mm. Oftentimes yeah, yeah. they have kids, yeah. uh, oftentimes they have families. And, um, you know, I was... Uh, counseling when I first arrived I was helping a um a trans woman um from a uh, a Singaporean background Mm -hmm. um who faced enormous amounts of heartache from her former spouse Mm -hmm. thankfully though that's that's been uh, mended a bit but yeah it's for us you know we provide a safe place that a lot of trans people go to um as a safe place that they can be fully who they are Mm -hmm. previously you did mention a bit about your religious upbringing so you grew up as part of Hillsong, which I think was Guy Sebastian's church oh. as well. Oh. Uh, uh, he, he went to a, a Pentecostal church in Adelaide that was linked to Hillsong. But uh, it wasn't quite the same thing. <laughs> I need to brush up on my Guy Sebastian. I'm so sorry. Um, so it, that's a, pen, a Pentecostal church. It's the first class you go to a seminary when mm. you're trained to be a pastor. Uh, Guy, Guy Sebastian. Sebastian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Standard. Necessary. Um, could you let our listeners know a bit about the environment of Hillsong itself and and what impact that had on you or has had on other, you know, young gay men? 
Um, so I went to Hillsong because my family uh, went to Hillsong. I have uh, four older sisters. And so we all used to have to go to Hillsong in mm. matching clothes. Oh, mm. And all of us were these sort of like Hitler youth style, blonde, blue oh, eyed. So we were visible from space. Mm. It's like, yeah. oh, you're one of the Pitaway kids. I would have clocked you <laughs> so easily. <laughs> oh, and um, so look, initially, you know, as a kid growing up, it was a lot of fun um, growing up in Hillsong because uh, we used to go to kids camps. You know, we used to do all kinds of fun things. Dad used to run the kids camps. Mm-hmm. And so we used to have so much fun uh, as children, even though I was, you know, one of five and all my sisters we used to wear matching pink dresses. And I was mm. like, oh, they look nice. Why don't I? <laughs> Why can't I wear? <laughs> um, then I think when I turned about 11 or 12 uh, was when I first really started to realize who I was. Mm-hmm. I, I realized that I was I was gay. I'll never forget. It was a, it was a trip to the Gold Coast and I was... Uh, walking down. Um, what an awful place to really <laughs> <I know. laughs> Yeah, well, I saw, I was on the Gold Coast and I saw all these like raunchy postcards. Yeah. You know, oh. And they were like half naked people, like, wow, the yep. Gold Coast is really raunchy. <laughs> Way more so than Sydney. Um, and so, um, yeah, it was actually, it was the postcard that did it. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, um, you know, that was when I really realized, hang on, I'm actually, I'm actually attracted to men. Mm, and that's yeah. a bad thing. Because my family um, has told me, you know, they're very supportive and loving now. But my family mm. at that time, um, you know, they told me that uh, gay men are these evil people mm. who, when they kiss, they make AIDS. Mm. Um, and they walk around in their underpants. And I was like, even when they cross the street, yes. At when Gold they cross Coast, the yeah. street. <laughs> Especially when <laughs> they cross the street. Yeah. Um, and, but the, the really scary part, though, was that the school that I went to, you could be expelled for being gay. Oh, um, right. I saw people being expelled for being gay. The church that I went to, being gay, was a one-way ticket to hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and my family said they would never let a gay person in their house. Mm. And I think you know there were no, definitely no role models around. Um, in in the, I, I lived in a very suburban. A part of Sydney um, called the Hills District, and that's where Hillsong gets its name. Oh, right. Because Makes it's in sense. the Hills District <laughs> of Sydney, and they okay. make a lot of music. Right. Oh. Um, and so, you know what? They didn't talk about uh, LGBTI issues much, but when they did, it was uh, an environment where they were very explicit, and they would say, look, we've got this passage in the Bible, and it says that women can't preach, but we put that in context. Mm. But if you're gay, there's no context for that. Yeah. You're, unless you change, um, then then you're going to hell. Um, I remember I finally came out to my youth leader um, at the age of 14 because I was really, really struggling. I would be secretly falling in love with my friends. Um, I would be really in a... In a I, was, I felt like I was being torn apart by these two polar opposites of faith on the one hand, this ironclad reality of who I thought God was and who I was, which wasn't yep. changing. You know, I would I would sit in the shower every morning and say, God, can you please take this away? Mm. I don't want to be damned oh, for eternity. Mm. Um, and it wouldn't happen. And every day I would be reminded of, uh, of that who I was was wrong and sinful. And I can't emphasize enough how toxic that is for LGBTI people in your developmental years mm. to be taught and told by your school your church, your family, and your community, everyone you know mm. that that who you are means that God hates you. Yeah. Um, and so I came out to my youth leader and uh, he um, said, don't worry, my father's gay as well, oh. but he's um, chosen God over his sexuality. Oh, right, you can yeah. do the same. <clears throat> and, uh, the and sins s- of the flesh sort yes, of thing. Yes, yes. Um, right. 
And so uh, I was introduced to ex-gay therapy. Um, mm. That Hillsong was running at that time. Um, I had a meeting with a pastor and he said, if you come out, I know someone who's come out after being in the church and he's a broken man. Mm. And that's the life that you're going to lead. If you come out, you will live your life as a broken person. You'll be in clubs, you'll be on drugs, you'll be um, you'll be uh, having meaningless encounters. Um, you know, that's the life that uh, you want to lead. And most importantly, uh, you'll be damned for all eternity. Mm. So Hillsong's this weird environment where people go there because it's a cool place to go to. Mm. Like people go there because uh, as a teenager, they had a skate park. They're big, oh. they're big buildings. Hey, big the buildings, one in Adelaide's yeah. like, it's like an entertainment center. Mm. Mm. Yeah, You'd I mean, be like, what's going on in, in there? sort of thing for, yeah. for those who've never been there it's like going to a Hillsong service it's like a rock concert yeah. slash self-help <laughs> seminar you know oh, it's, right, okay. it's like it's it's a big impressive experience mm-hmm. um, and there's lots of really cool people around people who dress well people who look trendy and so I was pretty low down on the priority <laughs> list as a skinny computer game playing uh, introverted person mm-hmm. and so thankfully they never did any follow-up work so i didn't have to go through ex-gay therapy mm-hmm. but a lot of i have i have probably about 10 to 15 people who are friends of mine or who are in my congregation who have been through it mm. and it's it's a horribly wicked destructive yeah, thing yeah. i have one person in my congregation who went through it in the i think the 50s or the 60s and he literally had electrodes attached to his oh genitals jesus they, he was shown images of, of men yeah. and given electroshock therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and thankfully, he's uh, come out of the closet now and he's um, in a much better place. It's really interesting the judgment call that the, that, the, that reverence making to you when having that conversation with you and saying things like, you'll go to clubs and you'll yeah. take drugs and you'll have meaningless encounters because I do all those things. It sounded like <laughs> you. I was like, <laughs> but, but that's right. not, but I have a very happy, fulfilled mm-hmm. life. Like the, yeah. the, the way that they're, but the way that they're presenting that to you is like the evil gay man that will do these things. It's like, yeah. no, actually they can still be a really good, per- happy person. <laughs> it's all about balance. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's about how their soul, not their, their actions and, and the life yeah. they live. Um, you did mention in there that your family um, have been on a journey since, since you came out. Um, are they still part of Hillsong? No. Right. No. So out of and do you think is is that related to your coming out that they decided no not to be? no I think like most Australians um, you know sleep in on a Sunday or go to church in the morning yeah right okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean my parents are very faithful people yeah um, and uh, they were so supportive of me um, getting into the ministry mm-hmm. um, in MCC um, they dad flew all the way from Sydney to Indianapolis to watch me graduate seminary oh, that's uh, then mum and dad came up to Brisbane even they even came to Brisbane to, <laughs> to uh, <laughs> even Brisbane, even Brisbane <laughs> to, um, uh, to, to watch me be ordained and start mm. as pastor so they've been very very supportive um but, you know, um, the church they were going to, Hillsong, you know, it's just such a big place. There's mm. thousands of people who go there. To say that you're a member of Hillsong is like saying you're a member of McDonald's drive-thru. Yeah, you know? right. It's <laughs> like, you, know, how, you know, how attached can you be to a big, big place like that? Mm, yeah. Um, I do, I feel like this is going to be a judgment call, and I, I don't want to make a judgment call about a church that you were a part of. But to me, as an outsider, looking at different religions and churches, Hillsong feels very much like a business. Um, and, and just the way you described these camps that they would have to sort of make the kids feel like they're part of a cool, exclusive club to sort of make them feel an attachment to the church. And then also having things like skate parks in beautiful big buildings and that sort of thing. Do you, mm. acknowledge, do you agree with that at all? Or is... Um, I mean, in terms of a music business, yes, they run a music mm. business. They mm. run a global 
music business, um, I would say that the way that they operate is sort of like a franchise model in yeah. terms yeah. of mm-hmm. the way everything is centrally controlled um, from Sydney. They have churches in America. They have churches in Europe. They have churches in South America. They have churches everywhere. I think about a quarter of a million people go to Hillsong um, churches now. Um, and look, you know, I... Uh, don't want to um, say anything negative about their spiritual journeys. Actually, the Hillsong is actually remarkably like the Catholic Church mm, mm. in the way that it's set up. In that, yeah, see, I grew up in the Catholic <laughs> Church, and I'm not a huge fan of it. So, it's um, a, instead of wearing uh, vestments like uh, sort of collars and, mm. and priests' outfits, they wear designer label clothes. Oh, yeah. Both of those things are communicating something about the spirituality that they are a part of. Yeah. The church in Brisbane, um, they even timed so that they're exactly the same time and the people leading the music are listening to the musicians um, and going at exactly the same time so that they can live live stream in the the preaching. Um, So it's a very well-coordinated, very well-structured thing. Mm. I think they do have questions to answer in terms of what their structure is, though, and and accountability. You know, I am accountable as a pastor to the members of my church Mm. and to a denomination. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the members that decide how we spend our money. It's the members who decide who's in our leadership. So we're all very transparent. We vote on all this stuff. Um, I've yet to see anything similar to that mm. um, at Hillsong, and I was a part of it for 18 years. Mm. Are you are you trying to tell me that they did worldwide global music streaming without any homosexuals involved? <laughs> that just sounds In designer ridiculous. labels as well. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That just sounds ridiculous to me, <laughs> that there yeah. ain't some lesbians tinkering yeah, away. Yeah, I was like, no Absolutely. organization. Yeah, I mean, look, um, the... The priesthood and pastors, the profession of pastor, Hillsong, all major denominations, Mm. has a disproportionately high number of gay people Mm. in it. It's probably similar numbers to the theatre or Mm. other professions. There are a disproportionately high number of gay people uh, leading double lives. You know, I'm reading a book at the moment um, uh, by Frederick Martel called uh, The Closet in the Vatican. Mm. They estimate, he estimates, uh, after doing years of research, that there are something like 50% of all Catholic priests are gay, Mm. are gay men. I've often had my own personal theory about this, and I might be completely wrong, but is it because they were people of faith, especially in... Sorry especially in the Catholic Church, um, because the Catholic Church doesn't allow same sex or sex between the two people of the same gender, and also because they don't let their priests partake in, in sexual activities or have relation- sexual relationships. Do you think for those people it made sense to go into the church and become a priest because they were going to have to be abstinent anyway? Yes. Um, and in if you're coming from a conservative culture, um, particularly in multicultural communities in Australia, if you're coming from a community-minded, conservative environment, the priesthood is the easiest way that you can be gay and you can receive the validation of society. Mm. And that's why for for many, many decades, if not centuries, the priesthood has attracted uh, gay men, particularly in the Catholic uh, tradition. Mm. Now, that doesn't stop them from having gay sex. No, no. The fact that they're gay priests doesn't stop... I mean, it's... It's extraordinary. You know, I saw an undercover, um, an Italian journalist who went undercover to a gay bar in Rome that catered to Vatican priests. Oh, my gosh. He went undercover and and there was a bishop that hired two uh, escorts, two uh, sex workers from the north of the country. They Mm. came into the gay bar and the priest caught all of this, the, the reporter rather, caught all of this on tape. And numbers for Vatican uh, priests who are gay is even higher, something like 80%. Mm. Um, So there is a a self-hating gay mafia Mm. um, in the highest levels of the Catholic Church. The closet there is incredibly destructive Mm. um, because 
as sure as night follows day, the people who are making the most anti-gay statements are gay themselves mm-hmm. because they're covering up what they're doing, you know, behind closed doors. I mean, the Spanish Inquisition, that happened centuries ago, but mm-hmm. the organization that still, that, uh, that ran that Inquisition mm-hmm. still exists today, mm-hmm. except they've rebranded. Mm-hmm. Um, they're called the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. The people who work there live in an apartment in the Vatican, and a few years ago, the Italian police raided um, that apartment because this, yeah. priests were having chemsex parties yeah. oh my God. and dealing drugs. The headlines were literally that gay chemsex orgies in the Vatican. Yeah. <gasps> That's Amen. And that Whoa. same, same organisation run by those people is currently bringing up the um, Bishop of Parramatta, a diocese in Sydney, is currently bringing up that bishop for saying that Catholics in good conscience could vote yes Mm. uh, for marriage equality. The same organization that is doing this Mm. is persecuting people for even saying that you can vote yes and support your friends and neighbors uh, in the same-sex marriage plebiscite. Mm. I know you said you didn't like to sort of chip in on other people's spiritual journeys, but we're a pretty political podcast, and our Prime Minister, um, Scobro, is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my. It's like Slowbro, yeah. the Pokemon, but it's oh, Scott Morrison. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Scomo is a Pentecostal Christian. Do you see his faith as a positive attribute when it comes to being in the position that he is and the power that he sort of wields in this country? Mm. Or do you see that as a uh, complicated issue? Mm. Well, I mean, in our congregation, we have liberal voting people, we have labor voting people, we have green voting people, um, we even have one person who's a One Nation supporter. Wow. Um, So we try and have a a broad um, tent Mm -hmm. to bring all people under. However, I, you know, whenever Scott Morrison says, you know, how good is this? Mm -hmm. Or how good is blah? It's like, oh my gosh, he sounds exactly like my Hillsong leader. Like oh, Hillsong, no. he sounds. That is like the biggest. There's this uh, big thing about positivity um, mm-hmm. in in the Pentecostal church. It's your life should be good all the time, 100 mm-hmm. percent of the time. Mm. And if it's not good, it's because you're not faithful enough. Mm-hmm. If it's not good, it's because you're not expectant enough. Mm. Um, that you're going to have a good life, a financially successful life, uh, uh, all other areas of your life as well. So when he, whenever he says, how good is that? I cringe and think, oh my gosh, here we yeah. go again. Um, because I think, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, God is with us in our greatest times of suffering as well as our greatest moments of joy. And to pretend that suffering does not exist by saying how good is X, Y, or Z all the time um, is just a little obnoxious to me. But anyway, mm. um, putting that aside, um, he hasn't talked much about his faith, um, and, and not in the terms that uh, you see people talking about fundamentalist Christianity in the United States. Yes. He's not at that level. However, on the issues that affect people in my congregation, um, he has not been our friend. No. Yeah. Um, he has not been our ally. I don't think he um, understands or wants to understand the experience of LGBTI people. Um, he no. promised uh, mm. that... Gay kids um, in private schools would no longer be able to be expelled. That hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the law, the proposal to change that, despite him promising it'll be done in a week, two weeks, is sitting in the too-hard basket in Mm -hmm. some uh, obscure legal committee in in Canberra. He has said some horrifically transphobic things. Mm -hmm. Um, He has accused people um, who are helping some of the most vulnerable trans children in Mm -hmm. our schools of being gender whisperers. Mm -hmm. 
Look, I wish that his faith would motivate him to be more understanding to asylum seekers and refugees. Compassionate. And, um, and to be more compassionate. I wish that his faith uh, would enable him to, if not to agree, at least to be willing to have a listening ear mm. to people in the LGBTI community. To be honest, I think he's very much uh, similar to the general mainstream Pentecostal view, uh, which is Jesus is coming back very soon. Mm-hmm. and uh, Look busy. <laughs> well, no, that's the thing. Don't look busy. Um, th- this world's look going happy. to this world's wow. going to hell in a handbasket. So let's just all wait until God blows everything up. And oh, we're, just, we're in heaven. Oh, that's terrifying. Um, hence, why his reluctance to do anything on climate change. Oh, it's just not in his DNA. Yeah. Um, the, the stream of Christianity that he is a part of sees same-sex marriage as a sign of the decay of the moral decay of society. Mm. Difficult to come to. Comes it's a hard question with to that. answer, but yeah. I mean, yeah, it's sort of hard to look at those facts when you sort of lay them out like that and mm. think that it's okay for someone in a position of power over so many people in such an influential position to let their religion influence them to such extremes when we're talking about mm. human rights issues. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's sort of hard to say that it is okay for him to let to let that influence, I guess. I think that, um, in all honesty, on the issue of LGBTI issues, he hates talking about it. Yeah. He, he mm. wish it would go away. Mm. I don't think he wants to be overtly hostile, at least not publicly. But um, you, you don't have the option of letting it, ignoring it when you're no. the prime minister. You shouldn't have the option. You shouldn't. Of, you shouldn't. Um, but like most Pentecostals, I think most mainstream Pentecostals, there's there's some that are yes, same sex marriage is the devil, and it's it's a symbol that Jesus is coming back soon to destroy this immoral world. And uh, then you have a lot of other Pentecostals, which they would rather just it go away as an mm-hmm. issue, and they never have to deal with it. Mm. But we are here. We exist. We don't want to just be tolerated. We want to be a celebrated, ingrained part of society mm. that's not invisible. Mm. And uh, so I wish he would understand that more. I wish he um, and and Pentecostals in general uh, would not see this as a dichotomy, as an us and them, but as a how can we work together to have a more inclusive mm. society. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's interesting you mentioned that he's not as sort of as extreme when he's talking as some American politicians might be um, from some extreme churches. Mm-hmm. And you're right, he's not quoting Bible texts and teachings and that sort of thing in his speeches. But part of me often wonders, is that, because he is from a marketing background, is that him actually being quite intelligent and saying, I know that that doesn't sit uh-huh. well in a speech, but I am still going to be pushing for things like the Religious Discrimination Bill and I am going to be putting my opinions forward on safe mm-hmm. schools and on um, marriage equality and those sorts of things. Um, so he's still essentially 
in his mind, doing all of the things that the Pentecostal church is teaching without preaching the, about the fact that he's doing it and sort of being a little bit more subtle about it. Mm. Um, I think that he recognises that the audience out there for the type of American-style uh, moral majority, Christian fundamentalist in, in politics, the audience for that in Australia is very small, mm. very, very small. And that in general, in Australia, we don't inject faith, um, especially fundamentalist faith like that, into our political discussion, thankfully. Mm. However, I think there's, there's a tendency in conservative Christianity today in Australia to rush into the martyr complex. It's we've lost the big issues of the day. We've lost our perspective on issues like same-sex marriage. They're going to come after us now. Mm-hmm. We're the victims. Mm-hmm. You mean. We're the victims. Yeah. And it's it's sad. It's yeah. really sad that instead of the conservative church saying, look, we're not going to change our view, but how can we be more understanding? How can we repent of the ways in which we've tried to practice conversion therapy or the ways in which we've alienated the LGBTI community. Instead of that, it's no, we're the victims. We're being oppressed for being Christian. Um, and um, and so I think that the policy direction that you're seeing from parts of the Morrison government, there are also other parts of the Morrison government as well. I mean, there uh, in the Liberal Party today, there are more gay liberal MPs mm. than in any other party federally. Mm-hmm. You know, and they are certainly um, listening to um, to what, uh, what LGBTI advocates are saying. Um, I just wish, however, that we would see within the government people talking more about the dangers of this religious discrimination bill Mm. and how this isn't going to solve the concerns of conservative Christians. This is only going to create difficulty. I mean, mean, this is giving doctors the ability to, you know, not just for gay people, but for women to be refused contraceptives by doctors. I mean, are you going to have doctors who say 150 years ago, in some Christian circles, it was unthinkable to be a Christian and to support interracial marriage. Yeah. 150 years ago, the issue of racial equality was as controversial. Yes. Yes. And there was differing opinions as there was on the issue of LGBTI issues in the church today. You know, what that says is that, um, you know, the church needs to be listening to where society is at um, mm. and um, instead of rushing into a martyr complex. And can you imagine if today, if someone said out of a religious conviction, similar to the religious convictions that were around 150 years ago, I'm going to refuse someone who has an interracial marriage or I'm going to f- refuse to give medical services to someone because of their race. We would never consider doing that. But for some reason, the Christian conservatives, you know, the Australian Christian lobby feel that it's their God given right to rush into the martyr complex mm, and make mm-hmm. our lives difficult. That's all that this bill is doing. It's it's a bill to make LGBTI people's lives more difficult. Yeah. I, f- I find it very inspirational that you've held on to your faith, especially having gone through some pretty extreme stuff with Hillsong and that sort of stuff. Personally, I grew up um, in the Catholic church, so went to Catholic schools and did the Sunday schools and that sort of thing and, Catholic, and Catholic church every Sunday morning. And for me personally, having grown up gay through that, even though my experiences were not probably as extreme as yours, whilst I, I believe in everyone's right to practice whatever faith they believe in, personally have a huge problem with um, religion as an institution, any institutionalized sort of churches and, and organized religion. If people have spirituality, I can understand that a bit more. But I, 
yeah, I do see it hard to sometimes understand how people can have a connection to that. So I'm really keen to hear what it is that, that what made you not lose faith in, in that sort of system of church? Um, I think you're exactly right to be sceptical of the institution. For some reason, when people get together and form an institution, mm-hmm. um, first of all, who wants to be institutionalized? Yeah. Um, but um, when two people get together and form an institution, the evil that is within those two people gets magnified mm. when they form an institution. Uh. There's something about us when we create a system, when imperfect human beings create a system, the the, the weight of that system can oftentimes crush people. Mm. And so um, MCC started in a guy's living room mm-hmm. after uh, um, a attempt on his own life. Right. Um, uh, Troy Perry was the founder of our denomination in 1968, and we were doing same-sex weddings before the Stonewall riots. Wow. And it was just 12 people. And I think if LGBTI people of faith can sort of get to that place of where it's forget about the institutions, you know, this is just a group of people who are engaging in their spirituality, who are reclaiming their identity. And so, yeah, it was it was really difficult um, figuring out exactly what faith was for me. It was like, as a teenager, it was like I was stuck in this concrete cage mm. Um, And for me, the most powerful thing which set me free from that concrete cage was seeing for the first time another person like me, Mm. another LGBTI person just like me who had gone through exactly the same experience. Uh, I was walking. I remember I emailed a um, a person who wrote a book. His name is Anthony Van Brown, and he wrote a book called um, A Life of Unlearning. He's a former Pentecostal Hillsong preacher who came out of the closet. Um, And uh, and, uh, so he started an organization that was a support network for gay Christians and I was 18 years old and I woke up one day and it was actually my 19th birthday and I had a dream of what it was like to be fully out and fully gay and I uh, had a dream where it was like um, I was embracing uh, one of my straight friends who I'd secretly fallen in love with and I was waking up and I was like sort of like hugging this and I was like fake sort of kissing this person and then I I woke up like Oh, there's nothing here. Oh. And so I woke up and thought, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I, even, even if this risks hell, the hell that I am living through right now can't be much worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so I um, contacted this organization. Um, first, I went through 2010, which was a, was a really awesome LGBTI youth charity um, that helps young people in Sydney. Um, and so they set me up with this group. And I'll never forget, I was walking in the AIDS Council of New South Wales building um, and at that time, it was a squat 1980s-style concrete building, and the whole place just sort of reeked of the smell of sex and cleaning agent. Mm-hmm. And there were all these safe sex posters everywhere <laughs> saying, if you want a heart, then then put a condom on. And it was these big, berry-looking dudes. Oh and I was gosh. like, oh, my gosh, I just came from the hills. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even, what am I doing? You ain't in Kansas anymore. <laughs> I'm not in Kansas anymore. I'm on, this, I'm on Oxford Street. Whoa. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, anyway, so it was very, very, uh, very big sort of introduction to this, yeah. to this different world. Um, but I went into that building that I saw 30 or 40 people, all who had been through similar journeys to me, and that set me free. Mm-hmm. It's like the concrete cage, a little bit of sunlight came through and just a little bit and it broke that whole cage open mm-hmm. and it said, you know what? Yes, I being faithful or not being faithful, that's my choice. And being and faith and spirituality to me is a part of who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in my DNA and I can't uh, shake it. And, and I am going to go on this journey to reclaim that. 
and help others who are on a similar journey. Mm, yeah. um, and, and that's really where where a new life opened up. All mm. of a sudden I had friends who were gay yeah. Christians as well, who were my age. Um, we were experiencing the gay world in Sydney at that time. Um, and it was, it was a whole new world. I had real genuine friends for the first time mm. in my life. And I thought if this is what a life of being faithful and being gay is like, then this is amazing. Yeah. Um, it was challenges, of course, there were lots of challenges, but at the same time, it was, um, I felt fully and authentically, uh, who I was, that's how I held on was just through the power of, of community. It wasn't through institutions mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. I think, it, I think yeah. it speaks a lot for the strength of your faith mm-hmm. that you were able to not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of LGBTI people do do when they go through that coming out process. And I get that. Yeah. I, I totally get that. You know, trauma is real. A lot of people in my congregation are very heavily traumatized. And, you know, when you grow up with a belief system that says that, um, particularly if you're from a, a Catholic or an Orthodox background, the church itself is holy. Mm. To go against the church is to go against God. Mm. And that's a really difficult thing. And mm. I, I get that people need distance from that. And some people say, you know what, if that's what that is, then no thank you. Mm. Um, I, I get that. And um, I, I understand that. I've always been interested in faith and spirituality and I don't like to use the word religion, but I, I just, I find it fascinating. Mm. Why do people believe what they believe? I like even watching horror movies <laughs> because like, oh, that supernatural horror movie is expressing this theology of, oh yes, of, oh, you know, yeah, like, yeah. oh, they've made that decision about what hell is and yeah. what demons mm-hmm. are and, and oh look, Paranormal Activity, one, two, three, four, five. I think I'll watch all of those. Yeah. They now make, we're talking yeah. about kind of, <laughs> they, they, A lot of horror movies make decisions about what they think the afterlife is going mm. to look like. And I find that really fascinating. You'll ever watch yeah, Jacob's Ladder? <laughs> no, no. You haven't seen Jacob's yeah. no, Ladder? I, I, I've heard of uh, the song Jacob's Ladder, and I understand mm. the biblical reference. Um, mm. so, side note, I'm very fascinated to know, you're a young person in a, a very liberal 30. church. Yeah, a, a very young pastor, I would say. Bless you. Compared to most of the ones I've met. In a very liberal church. Does your church have, like, do you sort of ask people not to watch things or read things? Or no. do you, you no. don't censor anything no. like that? No? No, no definitely not. Um, I mean, how weird would that be? You go, know, you go into an LGBT just... <laughs> space and you get a morality lecture. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, we are very moral and ethical people. You know, we encourage people to make their own ethical choices mm-hmm. around sex, around uh, what they do with their spare time. But um, don't watch Love Island. It's trash. <laughs> 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 That's just because it's shit, though. No? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's rubbish. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, we try and... Yeah, there are some things in this world that are immoral, like injustice towards mm. LGBTI people, like injustice towards the poor and refugees. That's deeply immoral when mm. we're saying that we're Christian and locking people up on Christmas Island or other hell holes. Mm. You know, the analogy that I use is I will never tell people what to do in terms mm. of their sex lives. Mm-hmm. As long as it's within the sort of... the. And, and MCC, we do have some guidelines. It's not just, you know, do whatever you like in terms of um, as, as safe, mm-hmm. respectful, mm-hmm. Um, respecting yourself, respecting God and respecting the other person. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to get up there every Sunday and tell everyone, don't have sex before you're married, don't have sex outside of a committed relationship. That's the most ineffective way to achieve that goal. Yeah. History, the long, sad history of the church trying to control people's sex lives is that the church has been an abject failure mm. in telling people what to do about sex. Heterosexual Christians who are conservative, evangelical, who believe that sex should only be before marriage, 85% of those people 
will have had sex before they're married. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. some that's some damn numbers. <laughs> yeah. So oh. whatever we're doing now in terms of telling people what to do, judging people in terms of their sex life, it's just not working. We're a sex mm. positive church. I will never judge anyone. It's just like in the Garden of Eden, you know, you tell <laughs> yeah. Adam and Eve to, mm. <laughs> to to eat the fruit and don't eat the fruit and they eat the fruit. Every time. I don't mind if, fruits. <laughs> yeah. I don't mind if you tell me what to do cuz I've got a few questions and I don't think I'm doing it properly. So. <laughs> <laughs> needs a new one. Yeah. Some direction. <laughs> Some direction required. Um, Thank you. Alex, you spoke before about leaving the church and entering the gay community and finding all your friends and people. Did that also involve dating for you? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. At first, I found the gay scene in Sydney. Um, first of all, scene. What is, scene. The, what is the scene? <laughs> yeah. Everyone says that they're non-scene on their dating mm-hmm. profiles. Is there anyone out there who says, oh, yeah, I'm totally seen. I'm no, totally I'm seen. seen. <laughs> I am seen seven nights a week. He's seen as well. Yeah? You're seen. I'm not seen. Oh, you've been out every night of Midsummer Festival. I saw Tammy Brown talk about oh, necrophilia God. for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's seen you there. <laughs> You're right, though. Seen, seen yeah. I guess, is relative. Yeah. Everyone thinks that they're, they're doing just a little bit less than what's seen. Mm. Is mm. where yeah. really everyone and, is. And it's, it's often I see it as a thing to other people. Like, yeah. oh, I don't do. I don't meet scene people you know that's too scene for me I'm not, a, I'm not a scene queen or yeah. whatever that is all of us are in a scene of, mm. of some kind we're all through our very existence we are all a part of whether in our participation or our absence from this so-called scene mm-hmm. we're all a part of that mm. we all are one community and i hate these words which which divide us like that yeah um so when I was entering into that world, mm-hmm. uh, the, the gay scene, the gay world, <laughs> meeting other gay people, it was at first it was really shocking. Put that in context, you know, I'm from uh, a really sheltered, sheltered, sheltered part mm-hmm. of Sydney. It's the Bible Belt of Sydney. <laughs> oh. um, and um, me, when I, I remember I got my one of my first jobs at Macca's. Watching people smoke was shocking. For me. Oh my right. god! Watching oh, you people see a lot of oh. messed up stuff at McDonald's. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I was working the overnight shifts. At, yeah, that's at where Macca's. all the cookie oh, yeah. stuff goes and, down. And I, I was, people need their nugs. <laughs> I was so shocked. I was like, oh my gosh, all these people are drunk. What's going on? <laughs> this is so against my thinking. Yeah. Um, and so, because my family was total teetotalers. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you know, the idea of drinking alcohol for relaxation was like sinful, you know, wrong. When I uh, first uh, started uh, dating, started going to gay clubs, mm-hmm. I wore a suit jacket, oh. I wore a polo shirt, um, uh. and and my number one goal was to 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 still wait before I was in a long term relationship to yeah. have sex. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my goal. How did that go? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I I don't want to go into too much specifics. <laughs> yeah, um, pressure. But, um, but um, you just asked a man in a collar sorry, about his sex look. life. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. When else will I get the opportunity? <laughs> um, suffice it to say, you know, I'm in a relationship now. Yeah. Um, oh, that's and, great. And it's, it's, Congratulations. It's, thank you. Um, went for, <laughs> You're not going to say it's with God, right? <laughs> well, I went, with it was, Jesus, yeah. with a beautiful man. But, well, oh, for a long time, I was like, you know what? Jesus is so much more reliable than all these douches. <laughs> you know? And then I met my partner, Jose, who's a really wonderful human being, who's a uh, obstetrician gynecologist. and. Huh? He's, Ob he's Obg, OBG Y, y. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, he's a beautiful. I is the, fir- the first, um, probably the first time in my life in ten years actually that I've had a long term relationship. Yeah, congratulations. Um, so it was, it was it's um, we've been together for about eight months. Um, mm. I really wanted to find love, like really, like as soon as possible, because <laughs> mm. um, I wanted all of that. I'm really interested to know when you are dating. I've got to say, it's you're the first thirty year old pastor I've met, straight or gay. At what point when you are dating, do you tell people? And did were people 
did people sort of was like guys coming out down again? when they found yeah. out about it? Like, did did you find that there was sort of a a rejection from the gay community when you were dating guys that they sort of found it a bit alienating to to be dating a pastor? Not often, no. Um, look, sometimes you would run into people not on dating profiles, but just in terms of the general community who had negative experiences with the church, and so mm-hmm. you know naturally were not happy with the church and especially not being happy with gay people in the church. Um, sometimes I would say, yes, I am a Christian. Yes, sir. Cause I've only been a pastor for two years. Um, oh, cool. of course, so sorry, so yes. before that I was just a garden variety gay Christian. <laughs> um, and so uh, in, in many ways it was almost easier to be on a dating profile. Then, you know, being a pastor consumes all of your life. Mm. Um, and um, it's, it's a very visible uh, thing that you are. Um, and it has some immediate ideological, theological connotations that can be you know, a lot for a lot of people. I found that when I did put it on my profiles before I was a pastor, people would come to me and say, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm trapped. Can you help me? And oftentimes it would turn oh, into yeah, a therapeutic yeah. relationship. Yeah. Yeah, right. And so I stopped putting it on my profile because I didn't want to confuse. Although I did help these people, you know, mm-hmm. I, I had to say, look, I can't date you, but yeah. let me help you. Mm. Um, I um, One church in America, in Mississippi, uh, their church has a grinder profile. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just, it's the building. It's the church itself. It's a trans woman who sings in the choir who... Is, oh, representing Yeah, representing. Okay. Um, and that's probably where a third of their congregation comes from. Oh, wow. So um, they will help, like, reach out to people and help people and yeah. have conversations with people. Oh, yeah, oh, wow. for that specific reason. Yeah, that's right. a clever way of doing it. Um, yeah, um, it's a bit risky. <laughs> um, but yes, I love the work. that That's uh, Joshua Generation MCC in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. So I tended not to, um, especially after I became a pastor, because they would say, oh, I'd love to go to your church. I'd love to reconnect. And then I said, well, I can't date you anymore. Mm-hmm. And that conflict could, of contra- conflict of interest and it could create uh, problems for mm-hmm. me. So I tended to, um, but look, the type of profiles I had um, where I would do it so I would filter out the type of person who would be opposed to yeah, uh, yeah. someone who has spiritual beliefs. Totally. Uh, like, for example, I would say, you know what? All these people online, they all have these profiles of like what they don't want. Like, mm. I don't want any thems. I don't want any oh, yeah. this, that, or the other. And so I don't want to, in particular, I don't want any seen person. So mm. I said, you know what? Why would I, would I want to be in a relationship with that kind of person exactly. anyway? Mm. So what if I go play reverse psychology here and say, I am the most seen queen person <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on planet Earth? I am so a part of the scene that my consciousness has merged with the scene in some sort of <laughs> that Borg. happened to me once. Because it was <laughs> some sort of Borg hive mind oh collective, gosh. and I'm looking for completely non-chilled out, completely anxious people <laughs> who will stretch the limits of human endurance mm. in torturous d- dates. Um, <laughs> Femme fat Asians yes. as well. Oh, yes. Right. So I would mm. just go full. The opposite of, yeah. of the type of people who would be. So I would never attract those people in the first yeah. place. Yeah. Did, yeah. Can I ask another s- dumb question? I've watched Fleabag. You've watched I know, Fleabag. Literally, I was thinking this the Fleabag. whole time. Sorry. <laughs> when you were on the apps and people found out that you were a pastor, did you have any like salacious sort of like uh, fetishizing, fetishizing yeah. of the the religious aspects? You know, people. Mm. Pastor chasing. Pastor yeah. chasing. Yeah, is that a <laughs> thing? It is, yes. is that a thing? <laughs> clergy chases, yes. Oh, clergy chase. Oh, oh my God. It's a thing. 
Hashtag clergy, clergy chasers. chaser. Seriously. So when we get a photo yeah. with you later, can we hashtag clergy chasers? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I don't if that's many people be aware <laughs> of it. But, uh, in America, African-American churches, they call the pastor's wife the first lady. Oh, wow. Oh. The first lady even has her own parking spot. Oh, wow. And her own role in the church. Oh, as it should That's be. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> and so I've said to Jose, I was like, Jose, do you want to be my first lady? Oh. <laughs> and he says, only if I can get my own parking spot. Yeah. <laughs> so is Jose quite religious too? Yeah. So yeah. we um, we met on Tinder. Um, and um, uh, he comes from a Catholic uh, background. Um, and, you know, he's on his own journey mm-hmm. um, in terms of faith and spirituality. You know, in Spain... He's from Spain. There are a lot of um, corruption in the Catholic Church. It's oh, just yeah. endemic. Would he identify religiously the same way that I do? No. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, um, you know, he, uh, I'll never forget it. We were on a holiday and Jose said to me, um, I have had partners. Jose um, was you know, married before mm-hmm. to a woman and uh, has, and, um, and he has been in uh, relationships with men as well. He said, you're mm-hmm. the first person who um, I've uh ever had a partner with who I'm really proud of what they do. Um, and so that for me was just yeah. Yeah. so supportive. So even though he doesn't have a strong religious belief at the yeah. moment, he, he's really impressed by the work you do. And Yeah, he's, uh, you know, he loves what I do. Um, and, you know, oh, he's, he's, you know, without him, it'd be very uh, difficult yeah. to, uh, you know, when you're working in the LGBTI space, you're dealing with a lot of uh, traumatized people um, mm. and hurt people, sometimes hurt people. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it can be very, very stressful sometimes. Mm. Um, and so he's been a real rock of support. Well, Alex, thank you so much for coming. This has been absolutely yeah. fascinating. A really different aspect of LGBTI life that we haven't really covered on the podcast before. So we really, really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for coming in. Now, you do also do wedding celebrants. If someone wanted to get in touch about maybe booking you as a wedding celebrant or even just to find out more about the church, how can they get in touch? Yeah, sure. So I did a wedding in Melbourne just last week, actually. A beautiful wedding of someone who went through 20 years of ex-gay therapy oh, wow. and now is left all that behind and and, uh, and getting married to his partner. Um, so they can just go to mccbrisbanechurch.org mm-hmm. um, if they want to get in touch with us for either weddings or if they're just looking, if you're LGBTI and looking for a, an accepting uh, spiritual community. Yeah. Do Fantastic. you also organize the weddings? Like, yeah. Would you be able to find me someone <laughs> to get married to? I mean, I'm not even God's going to be able to find you someone. Because <laughs> that might get me to join a church. <laughs> yeah. um, well, hey, God bless you in the journey. Thank <laughs> you. Guys. And thank you for coming in. It's been a pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. Thank Absolute you all. pleasure. Thank you. That was a really fascinating chat with Alex. I'm so uh, honored to have had him in the studio. Um, Super interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really mm. something that we don't talk about a lot on the podcast. And so... Uh, you know, if anyone is a person of faith uh, and LGBTI, you know, reach out to them and get in touch. Um, mm-hmm. as, as Alex was saying, they do have uh, congregations around Australia that you can uh, go and chill out and maybe yeah. just give it a little try if you want to. But, but. we're very nearly oh, done. It was but. so packed. We, we just had yeah. to, I know. To, to jam do it. I know. But uh, we will just tell you that we do have an after show after this. And it we is do. kinky. <laughs> we are talking about boozy sex. Boozy sex. Versus sober sex. Yes. Okay. We're going to be talking about our I didn't know there was experience. a difference. <laughs> <time>. <laughs> you didn't know that there was another option. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be yeah, talking about uh, alcohol and sex. Talking about sex, baby. These are a few of my favorite things. Wow. Oh my God, you just turned into Julie Andrews. Mm. <laughs> wow. For untouched. Wow. <laughs> I'm so cold. Look at that. We're going to get sued. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But until then, bye. Bye. Bye.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special moms in your life. In what better way than with Osea's limited edition skincare sets, featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited edition sets, perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. Their Golden Glow Body Set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for silky, smooth, glowing skin, while the Glow and Go Facial Set has everything she needs to achieve spa-level results at home. They're so beautiful, you can skip the wrapping. For a limited time, you can save up to $48 on Osea's sets, plus get free shipping. That's Mother's Day made easy. Pamper the moms in your life and get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOM at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu dot com code mom.